0: Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host as always, Adam Fonseca, Editor-in-Chief over at golfunfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at golfunfiltered. Send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. You can look me up on Facebook, Instagram, also at golfunfiltered. So we are welcoming Mr. Matt Castingway back onto the show. Uh, kind of been a tradition now. We uh, like to talk to him after the major championships to kind of get his... His takes on what occurred, obviously we've got a lot to talk about with the meltdown at Augusta with Jordan Spieth as well as a few other things. And Matt is also going to give us a quick update on his Hack to Hero journey. Not a lot of golf being played in the cold New England temperatures, but things are heating up here. And as you'll hear in today's episode, Matt has also been keeping busy with his nutrition, uh, fitness, and other things. So uh, you can follow Matt Castingway on Twitter at hacktohero 27 Uh, This is also uh, another episode presented on the Golf News Net radio network, so be sure to go out there and check out all the content that we provide for thegolfnewsnet.com. Without further ado, let's take a listen. Well, we're waiting. All right, ladies and gentlemen welcome back as I mentioned in the intro a little bit ago we are welcoming our friend Mr. Matthew castingway Matt to his to his friends <laughs> back on the show to talk about I don't know Matt what, what would you classify this what just happened over the weekend
1: uh, <laughs> um, well I, you know jeez I watching the thing that was an that was a life experience for just about everybody. I mean that was insane. Insane watching that go down. And I I, I kinda feel all of the emotions and I'm still feeling them. So um, honestly I, I it was it was a it was a classic, but not for all the right reasons. Um but it was like I said, it was definitely a life experience sitting and watching that back nine play out on Sunday. It was it was unbelievable and you know, whether it's from all the characters that were involved and the people who popped up, and you know, the the person who, for lack of a better word, choked, to the guy who ended up winning the whole damn thing, every single one of them was interesting, and unique. I felt like I was watching some type of you know, Shakespearean tragedy. Like it was, it was unbelievable. So
0: it was, it was incredible. And of course, as we said in the intro, listeners, we're we're, we're gonna try to get through breaking down the breakdown at the 2016 Masters. And you kind of used, you brought up the word that I wanted to ask you about and certainly about Jordan Spieth in detail here, but this was a choke, right? Like there's no other way that we can classify what happened as anything other than a choke.
1: You know, I love Jordan Spieth and, and so do so many of us. So I feel like we've all been trying to find a softer word for what happened on Sunday, but I don't know that that word exists in the English language or any other language. Um, I, I did a lot of thinking on this, and, and I mean Twitter was pretty, pretty quick to jump on him with some of the memes and stuff, but for the most part I think a lot of people feel awful for Jordan Spieth, more so than I think they did for Greg Norman – I don't know if it was because Greg Norman had such a track record of this and Spieth doesn't. Um I I don't know what that reason is. I just feel there's a lot more sympathy for for Jordan Spieth. And we all like I I personally I still don't know what to feel. Like I, I feel like I feel like Jim Nance calling Ten Cups explosion. You know what I mean? Like I don't know what to feel. Like on one hand, we we got an incredibly exciting finish. On the other hand, it came at the expense of one of the game's brightest stars. And when you stop and think about what that kind of loss could potentially do to that psyche, um, you know, you kind of worry about the effect that that's going to have on him long term. There's so much that you can talk about from this. But to, to your point, I, I just think choke is the only word because there's not something that we've discovered yet that's softer but means the same thing.
0: Let's kind of break down a little bit more. What, what, what occurred. So we, we go into, obviously, Thursday. Well, and it's Masters week, so you start sooner in the week. It's an entire week that you, you, you talk about and you and you watch as much as you can. You ingest and digest as much Masters footage as you can. Absolutely. And so, you know, Wednesday we've got the par three, which is just crazy. There's nine holes in ones or however many it was. Gary Player, for crying out loud, gets one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're just all drummed up with this excitement. We get into Thursday, and we basically pick up right where we left off from 2015's tournament. Spieth comes in. He he leads after day one. He leads after day two on Friday. We have a few people coming up the leaderboard, names that we expected. Saturday, we go into a round where we're treated to Rory versus Jordan, something that we wanted to see in the final Mm -hmm. pairing, especially at the Masters. There's so much momentum going, but even at the end of that, Rory falls off to the wayside as we kind of expected to happen. And Jordan is leading again after the third day, making it his, what is it, his seventh straight Masters round in the in the lead. Yeah. And so heading into Sunday, what were your thoughts on not only how this would play out, but your confidence that this thing was already decided?
1: Well, I'll tell you, obviously, uh, those who, who know me know that uh, I have an alter ego. His name is Golf Stradamus, and he knows just about everything when it comes to betting golf. Uh, and because of that and the fact that I have – you know, I don't have what you would call a disposable income, I decided I didn't bet – I wasn't going to bet on this tournament because I thought Spieth winning this tournament was as big a foregone conclusion as there has ever been in any professional sport ever I really could not see a way in which he didn't win this tournament. And then Thursday happened, and I went, oh, good. Yeah, I'm right. And then Friday happened, and I went, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm still right. And then Saturday happened, and I went, well, Rory was the only one I thought was going to put up. I thought he put up a bigger fight than that, but now look at at this. Yeah, right again. And then on Saturday, up until the 10th hole, I thought – I may start watching. I, I was a kind of upset that the NASCAR race ran the night before because I was looking for something else that I might watch because <laughs> I was I was bored with it. I'm like, like I just wanted to see something happen. I I, I should have you know specified. I would have rather see Danny Willett shoot 62 than see Spieth shoot you know 43 on the back or whatever it was. It wasn't that high, but. I should have specified because it, it was exciting, but at the you know at what cost? And I felt terrible for Jordan Spieth. But for the most most of the tournament, and especially early on Sunday, I thought this was a foregone conclusion. This was done. It was over. It's it wasn't even fun anymore. I'm just like God. He just keeps making birdie after birdie. After. He finished with four straight birdies on the front nine. You know, like there's no way anyone's gonna catch him. He was on fire. He had started finding fairways, which he had struggled with all week started finding fairways, and even when he didn't, he found a way to get it where it needed to be, and it just looked like there was no way anybody was going to catch him. You know, I mean, he had a five-shot lead standing on 10-T. So, and
0: he he has that five-shot lead. You already alluded to the point that he made four consecutive birdies, and you're absolutely right. He's, He's standing, and they all say that, you know, the Masters finally begins or starts in the back nine on Sunday. But... Before that, on, on, in Saturday's round, something interesting happened. He bogies 17, and then he doubles 18.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Was that a foreshadowing in your mind of anything that was going to play out the following day? Or was that just, you know, and obviously it's easier to look back in hindsight and all that. But was that a foreshadowing in any way?
1: I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because Jordan Spieth has had things like that happen to him in the past. And he's bounced back. I mean, think about think about just last year at the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay. He doubled 17 before going and, and you know, making that incredible birdie on 18 sure. that put him in the lead in the clubhouse. And, you know, obviously it took DJ kind of, you know, throwing up on his shoes. But it, it's happened before, and the kids bounced back. And even on Sunday, after he made the 7 at 12, he came right back with a 4 at 13. He made a four at 15. He just didn't keep it going. So it's not like he didn't bounce back. He just didn't – he just dug himself such a hole. So I wouldn't say it was foreshadowing. A lot of people struggled with 18 uh, this past week. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau, geez, if if that kid could figure out how to play 18, he may have been standing, you know, getting a jacket in Butler Cabin. I mean, who knows what that momentum does when you uh, you make a seven on 18 and then the next day you come back and make a six. I mean, what did he finish the tournament at? Five over? So there's your five over right there, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, for some reason, 18, 18 seemed like it ate a lot of guys up, and it's such a tough tee shot anyway. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to stand there and look down there, but that, that that's that's like trying – to it, it, for an amateur, it looks like I'm trying to hit a golf ball down the barrel of a rifle. Like, mm-hmm. it's insanely tight. It gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. So I, I can't imagine, you know, what – what Jordan Spieth was feeling. I mean, he has been here before, but still, it's the Masters. You're in this position. I don't know how every one of these guys doesn't feel like they're holding a a hornet's nest in the palm of their hands when they're gripping the club, you know, looking down that tee shot. I, just, I don't know. I don't know how you don't feel that way. It's just intimidating and all the the, the spotlight. Things are bound to happen. So I, I don't think it was a foreshadowing. I, I think it was just 18 was kind of tough that week and. It happened to a lot of guys. And, look, if it were foreshadowing, I, I feel like he would have come out of the gate a lot slower on Sunday. Um, or if it was a sign of things to come, I, I think he would have had a rough start on Sunday. Because I think back to, to McElroy in 2011 when he started with a four-shot lead. He had a rough front nine. And if I remember correctly, he came off a, a similar – not as bad as the, the, the bogey double, but he came off of a similar kind of a – Ending yeah. to Saturday round in 2011, if I remember correctly, um, and then he just kind of picked up where he left off at the end of the round. Speak didn't do that, you know. You make four bo- or four birdies turning to make the turn, you know. You're you're kind of on fire. I mean, think about that stretch of holes six, seven, eight, nine at Augusta. That's to birdie all four of those going to 10t. I mean, there had to be guys looking up at the scoreboard going, "Well, what am I still doing out here?" So I don't know if it was a foreshadowing.
0: And that brings us then to, and well, and I asked the question because I'm still trying to, to make sense over what the hell we we witnessed. <laughs> you know, I, I almost would have preferred if there was some answer from, from someone in the universe, anyone who can tell us, you know, what what exactly occurred in in that man's mind. And obviously it's, it's a rhetorical question because he's the one that's going to know. And that, that of course brings us to, the 10th tee and mm-hmm. he bogeys happens all the time. It was not a costly bogey.
1: No, point. not at all. Uh,
0: certainly not to the extreme of, uh, you had mentioned Rory McIlroy when he hooked it left of the world into the, the cabins at Augusta, mm. you know, years ago. And then he comes back and, and he, he doubles 11. And then on 12, all this man has to do, which, Let's be honest. Not the easiest tee shot in the world. We've seen it time and time again. Greg, just ask Greg Norman. Yep. And then, I, I guess the only way I can ask this of you, Matt, is where were you when you saw that tee shot fall into the lake?
1: I was sitting in my room, uh, wheeling back and forth on a uh, desk chair because <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I, I I was trying to sit on my bed and watch it. Um and I, I was just like not comfortable so I sat in the, the desk chair. But anyway, um I I actually got up and went and made some food when he teed off on ten. Because I figured again, I foregone conclusion. Let's go get some buffalo chicken dip and just gorge myself while I watch the end of this. While I finish the finish watching the coronation. Um and I came back and saw he made bogey and I was like, Oh, okay, well that's you know, that sucks. And then 11 happened, and I was like, what, "What? are you thinking? Like with the shot that ended up in the water, I'm like, what? What are you doing? Like, why? Why would you hit that?" But I, again, I thought nothing of it. I mean, it's Masters on Sunday, back nine on the mat. I'm like, stuff happens, but I didn't think what was going to happen. What happened on 12 was going to happen, and even even to the first tee shot, to the tee shot that went in the water, I thought, dude, he's got to he's got to take a step back and and you know regroup here. I mean, it's I didn't think it was the end of the world because so many players have done that on Sunday so many of them and but none of the ones that did it before and lost had a five shot lead coming into the back nine and at this point he's still got a three shot lead you know so when the first ball went in the water i didn't think much of it i just thought he you know oh it's jordan speak he's going to get up and down you know what i mean like all right so here's his bogey worst case it's a double bogey when he chunked it into race creek for the second time I looked at my wife and I was like, "That thing almost bounced in. Like that. <laughs> that wasn't even close. Like that looked like something that you would do. Like that was. I was shocked. My my. I. There was a pit in my stomach. I, that's. I think that's the first time I've ever really had a visceral reaction to seeing a golf shot. Like just seeing a bad golf shot. Like I felt like I was watching an execution. It was the worst feeling. I think I've ever had watching or playing golf for that kid. And I, could, I couldn't I could believe it. Like, it, it, it blew my mind. And it was no surprise to me when he dumped the third one in the bunker. You know, sure. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't yeah. hit it all the way to Augusta Country Club. Like,
0: right. there's <laughs> no way he going up and up. That's, that third shot or whatever. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's, that's what I mean. So I, I was blown away by the fact that he made seven. I, 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 I still don't believe it. It's one of those things where, like, you know, you look back and you see you see things in, in history. You see different moments, different meltdowns, different, you know, bad games or performance, whatever it is. This is going to go down in the history of probably all of sports, not just golf, as one of the worst chokes in history. And it, like, it just didn't feel real. You know what I mean? Like, it was just absurd to be watching this and like everything that I'd been thinking for the last 3 days and more importantly the last 2 hours watching him just go and bring that course to its feet just turn a com- complete 180 degrees and now he he was barely even a thought until I realized oh wait if he birdies the last two holes it's still a tie you know yeah. so like he just it was a completely different sh- – it was a complete shift. Now I'm looking at like, oh, Lee Westwood might win a major. Like Danny Willett is just tearing things up. Wait, wait, Dustin Johnson has a shot at this? Like I couldn't process it that fast, you know? So I, I started watching this and I'm like – I'm leaning forward in the rolly chair like watching this. thing. like, I, I don't believe what I'm watching. Like I, I this is not real life. And my wife just kept saying, "Hey, kept wishing for it to be exciting, huh?" And I'm like, "Not like this! Like this is like this is a weird feeling! Like this is the fact that I was enjoying watching, and I to be honest, I don't know that I was enjoying watching it before because it was just sort of a fore- foregone conclusion. And just as a fan, I want to see something exciting, but I, I I didn't know what to feel. Like I felt bad for enjoying this. I felt terrible for Jordan Spieth. I couldn't." It was just so much to process. It was, like I said, it was a life experience. I, it was so weird. It's something I've never experienced watching or participating in sports in my entire life. And I highly doubt I will ever experience again. And if I do, it won't be for quite some time.
0: I was at my my in-laws, uh, probably five beers in. And, um, <laughs> I We had made uh, pimento cheese sandwiches and egg salad you know, sandwiches, you know, to get the whole experience. It's a tradition thing that we do. And when Spieth made his fourth birdie, I was on just don't give give a shit mode anymore. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to be drunk. I'm going to just enjoy my Sunday afternoon. And then to your point of having to process all of this stuff happening, and whenever Lee Westwood (laughs) – Comes into the conversation as having a chance to win a major. All of a sudden, when that ball dropped, that that second ball when he laid sod and he in the second ball into Race Creek, I audible uh, I screamed at the television. I, I mean, it was one of those. No, he didn't. He didn't just do that. And it was so weird, Matt. Because to your point of, it was a surreal moment. It was. One of those things that you're watching a sporting event, or anything in life, and you kind of have the thought, wow, it would be really crazy if he put this one in the water too. And yeah. he fucking does it. <laughs> I, I couldn't comprehend how, how that just happened. And I think, you know, obviously he puts it over and the next shot into the bunker. The, as you put, there was no way it was going to come up short again. But what surprised me the most, I think, after even all of that happened, he writes down a seven, he knows what he has to do. He gets up to 16, and he hits a tee shot that was just the epitome of clutch, in my opinion. Oh,
1: absolutely. Especially considering the situation. Yeah. The, well, first of all, the last thing I'll say on, um, on the seventh hole and the way I feel about it, was um, remember the story of remember Buddy Holly's plane crashed? Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's a story that goes with it. Um, that I, I want to say it was Willie Nelson. And he was joking with buddy with Buddy Holly before, and Buddy because Willie Nelson was supposed to be on the plane. And Will, Buddy Holly looked at Willie Nelson and goes, "Hey, I hope your bus breaks down." And Willie Nelson goes, "Hope your fucking plane crashes." Uh. And then it did. That's kind of how I feel about the Jordan Spieth thing because I'm like, I want something crazy to happen, and then I'm like, no, 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 I want that back. No, I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, 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 don't, don't hit it in the water. Come on, like not again. No, like, because I, love, I love Jordan Spieth, but like I just felt, I was like, come on, something exciting happened, but like, it was just, no, 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 I want that back. But right, right. to your point, the tee shot on 13 was incredible, and it was, it was dangerous. It was, I mean, it was. It was risky. I mean, that thing that thing could have hit a tree and fallen back in Ray's Creek again, you know?
0: Oh, like 13. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but it didn't, and it ends up perfect. I mean, that was position 1A, and it's like you said, for a guy, you know, that was as clutch as clutch gets, especially when you consider what that driver had done to him all week long. If there was ever a time for Jordan Spieth to pull three wood and just, you know, be a little conservative, it was probably right there, but the the... To, to quote Danny Willett's brother, the bollocks on that guy uh, to hit driver and put it where he put it. it, it showed a lot, and it's one of those reasons. It's one of the reasons, honestly, why everyone who's like, "What's this gonna do to Jordan Spieth?" I'm like, Cal- calm down. Like he's, it sucked. A, it sucked. Yeah, to go through that, I'm sure, but I, he's gonna be fine. This isn't gonna turn into Greg Norman. Like it's just not. We hope it will At least I don't think it will. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet it doesn't. He's already got two majors. Mm-hmm. He's what, 22? There's there's no way. It is not not going to happen. He doesn't have a track record of this. You know what I mean? Right. I think I mean and even even if he does, like he what? His his three finishes in his life at Augusta National are second, first and second. Two people have beaten him outright in his entire life at Augusta National. It's insane. Like this is this is an outlier and we 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 did the same thing when Rory crumbled in 2011. What did he do the next time? He next time he teed it up in a major? Oh, he just demolished everybody at Congressional. So I'm not going to get on the. This is the this is awful like this is gonna do, he's gonna turn into Greg Norman. Oh like no, I'm not I'm not doing that. It's gonna take him a couple of weeks to get over it. Absolutely, this is a crushing loss, but he's gonna figure this out. This is not going to be the end of Jordan Speed. I just don't see it.
0: So, and you you raise uh, the point about Rory responding in spades from t- in, in, at the U.S. Open in 2011. We're heading to the Open in a few weeks, uh, more than a few, but
1: yeah, it's like two I mean, months.
0: Two months, <laughs> which you know by my by my count right now, everything's blurred together, man. <laughs>
1: everything's no, blurring I hear again. you. Well, imagine what it's going to be when the Open is a week after the U.S. Open. That's crazy. That's that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Dude. First of all, but that's we can have a we can have
0: a podcast on that alone. But oh, I do you feel that Spieth responds similarly as Rory did to this? Does he have that in him that 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 fire or whatever extra gear that Rory obviously went to in response to his meltdown at Augusta?
1: I think he does. Um, like I said, Spieth hasn't done anything but show resiliency, he, and I think. I think with that in mind, you have to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. He's put himself in position time and time again. I mean, you could think – I mean, the way he played down the shed at, at St. Andrews last year to come out, you know, well, I think he finished, what, T3 or maybe T4? I mean, that, that could be considered a real tough loss when you're going for – you're trying to complete the grand slam and you've got all that pressure on you and he comes back and he, um, if it weren't for Jason day being the hottest golfer on the planet, he, he would have won the PGA championship. So Spieth has done nothing but perform and perform at an incredibly high level. This is the first time anything like this has happened to him. So it'll be interesting to see, but when anything even remotely, uh, you know, unfortunate has happened to him. He's always bounced back and, you know he's young. He's got he's got arguably the best game in the game, and I just don't see him turning. I don't see this being an issue long term. I really don't. And I think the U.S. Open. He may not win the U.S. Open, but I I would guarantee he's in the top five. I really would. There's no way he doesn't come out and play well at Oakmont. So I, I have, obviously to say, have to wait and see. But
0: yeah, I gotta say I I'm concerned. I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, okay. I. I, uh, there's something and all the points you raise are are certainly well taken. And I think though, there's a matter of context that, and perception, learned perception after certain events in one's career that kind of changes the way that your outlook on failure. And I feel that because there's so much more writing in Jordan's mind right now, and obviously I, I don't know for sure. I'm not him, but I, I am. I have a level of concern now on whether or not he can bounce back, especially as you put, F following a, a meltdown that's uh, historic in nature. I mean, we've ta- We still talk about 1996 with Greg Norman. And this was worse. This was worse, and we're going to continue to talk about this. It's going to be a highlight reel forever, as long as this tournament is a tournament, which will be for as long as uh, you know the, the gods over at Augusta National want it to be. Yeah, until Um, the
1: PC police get so powerful, they have to shut him down.
0: Exactly, well, that too. (laughs) I think you know, I uh, there was something off about Jordan in my in my perception of watching him this week. You know, he he just seemed to back away more often. Obviously this is an extremely nerve-wracking moment when you have to, you know, protect a lead. You had something to lose this week. You were trying to achieve something historic in its own right, uh, becoming only the third or the fourth player to win back-to-back green jackets. But for some reason it just he seemed a little off to me. And I hope I'm wrong, but I I got to be honest with you, man. I mean, I I will be surprised if he finishes top 5 at the open.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah. Um See, the one reason – one of the reasons I I tend to disagree with that is also I look at what he said, and he told – he told the media afterwards, yeah, I got to 10-T, and I looked at how far ahead I was, and I said, you know what? Even par will win. Even par will be good enough. If I play even par on the back nine, he took his foot off the gas. And whether you're talking about doing that on Sunday at Augusta or a prevent defense, they don't work. You know, like – keep your foot on the accelerator. And, true, true. you know, that's that's what he did last year. His foot never came off the accelerator last year. That's why he ended up finishing 18-under. Granted, he had guys chasing him that were a lot closer, so he didn't have the luxury of it. But he changed his game plan, and he admitted that. So to me, if he's smart, which I think he is, he'll sit back and go, I never should have changed my game plan. I just have to stick to what I was doing. What I was doing was successful. Let's just do that. Chalk it up to that, because... Once you change your frame of mind, that's when things start happening. It's – whether you're whether you're at the course with your buddies and you're playing really well in the front nine and then someone goes, hey, let's do some shots. And you just go, yeah, fuck it. Let's do some shots. And you <laughs> shoot 45 on the back. Yeah, well, that's what happens. You changed your – you changed your, I just did that in Myrtle Beach last week. I shot like – I shot 36 on the front nine and then we started drinking and I'm like, I shot a 51. Like – mindset goes away. You're not, you're not looking at your yardage book. You're not doing this. You're just resting on laurels. And when you do that, you start making dumb decisions and you're like, now I got to get one back here. And you just do stupid things because you get out of your element, you get out of your game plan. So if he's smart, I think he'll just look back and go, I never should have done that. I made a terrible mistake. I'm not going to make that mistake ever again. And that part of it for me, because it's, it's not, I don't Speed Didn't have any of the, the bad luck. Like, I think Greg Norman looks at everything that happened to him, and it's and to an extent, it's a fair point where he goes, how the hell does this keep happening to me? No. Yeah. You know what I mean? All speed stuff you can trace back to him standing on 10T going, yeah, even par all win Because that's what he put in his head, and they yeah. it changed the whole game plan. Greg Norman had things bouncing off of the weirdest places. Like, he had Faldo making things from Mars, and then he hits a putt that... When I watch it on – when I watch the replay of it on YouTube, I still can't believe it doesn't go in the hole. You know? So, yeah. But so Norman's different. That becomes a whole – I didn't do anything wrong and I still got fucked. Yeah. Whereas Jordan Spieth is completely different. It's not like he did anything – you know, it's not like he hit his – he hit a great shot into 11 and the thing hit a sprinkler head and kicked into the water. You know what I mean? Like it's not anything like that. There's nothing he – there's nothing – he did everything to fuck himself there. That was not anything the universe did, nature, whatever, got a lot. Nobody did anything except Jordan Speed standing on 10-T going, all right, even par wins.
0: That's, a, that's an interesting point, and, and it's it's certainly a step away from how he's acted in the past. And I think uh, you had mentioned as we started our conversation that this was a, a life lesson of sorts.
1: And, for, for sorry, the- real quick to your point. I think the whole week he went into this week different than he did last year. You said Perfect. something seemed off, and the more I think about it now that you said that, you're absolutely right. And to me, maybe that's what it was. Maybe he had a different game plan for the entire week. You know. But anyway, sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to make that point. No, that-
0: no. And it's it's just it, it's a lesson for him as well. You know, it's going to be as the as you adequately as you uh, laid out, I should say. It's going to be something that he has to take with him. And so I hope I'm wrong. I hope that you're right. I hope he comes back and he responds, you know, wonderfully at at Oakmont and and he wins the next three majors. You know, I, I hope that happens for this kid because he certainly has the talent. He's shown it. He's the great American hero, at least golf wise for for the United States. And, you know, he's another opportunity on the world stage as if the Masters isn't already on a global scale. But he also has the opportunity at the Olympics this year to, to do even more. And so there's so much riding on him and so much expected of him. I hope that he responds in kind. So with that, I wanted to kind of transition, Matt, away from Augusta. I'm sure that much more is going to be said about that tournament. I'm sure that there much more can be said and written about what happened. Absolutely. We'll be doing that for years. But the last time we had you on, sir, we uh, had you on for a very specific reason. Speaking of the U.S. Open, uh, you uh, underwent a uh, sort of life – how would you call it? A life journey of sorts, Uh, the hack to hero uh, journey to get things in order in your personal life and in your golf life to potentially qualify for the 2017 U.S. Open.
1: Yeah, um, and I'm still still working on it. Uh, it is a work in progress. If uh, if you if you guys didn't know, uh, now you do. I live in New England, which, if you ask me, is probably the worst place. It's purgatory for a golfer. Yeah. Um, I played golf in March on a 70 degree day, and um, it snowed the Monday. I was in Augusta, so uh, I, I, I I don't know. I mean. So the playing part hasn't really come along as well as I would have liked so far I mean I don't have I think I've got seven rounds under my belt which is you know a lot for normal people but when I'm trying to do this it's not very much sitting here in the second week of April. so um, mother Nature needs to start cooperating should be able to get out this week a few times um, played a few times in Myrtle Beach like I said I had one one really good nine and then uh, it all went to hell with the drinking but uh, that was expected. <laughs> um, but on, on the, the personal side of things, the, you know, off the course, away from the course, um, I'm doing a lot of things that have been helping, um, whether it's from a mental standpoint or a physical standpoint, I haven't really gotten into the exercise routine quite a hundred percent, had a little bit of a setback with some issues with my leg, um, and, uh, and, and my arm with some work stuff that I kind of banged up and one was just being stupid, but I digress. So I had a little bit of setback with that, but we're working towards it. I have another meeting with my trainer, John, on um, Saturday. We're going to continue to lay out uh, the next step in my diet plan. Um, The first time I spoke to you, I didn't eat salad. As far as I was concerned, it's the food my food eats. But uh, it's kind of become, I won't say integral part of my diet just yet, but it's it's there and it's something that I eat routinely now. Um, I've cut my pizza intake in half. Which I know sounds childish and dumb, but it—I mean—you will not get me to stop eating pizza. So the fact that I've even cut it in half is impressive. <laughs> um, soda intake is almost—it's almost nil. I've switched mostly to iced tea, which I know is sugar and a lot of water. I drink probably a case of water a week. So, um, which again, coming from someone who never drank water, uh, the unhealthiest human being on the planet. I'd say I'm doing pretty pretty well with that. Um, I fluctuate a little bit. I lost. I'm I'm right now. I'm down seven pounds from when we started. I I had gained. I lost ten at one point and gained it all back um, during the week that uh, my wife and I were moving because we had packed all of our kitchen stuff away like idiots, and then we're just like, well, we are still hungry, so it was you know calzones and Chinese food and ooh, Hooters is right down the street. It's, it's ten cent wing night, so. Um, you know, kind of, kind of backs a little bit, but, uh, the train didn't go completely off the tracks, got it back on We're we're chugging in the right direction. And I will have a, a large update rather, rather soon. Um, and honestly, I, I, I kind of shied away from the writing a little bit because I know a lot of people weren't paying attention because no one really cares about golf when it's still snowing in most of the world, but now that the masters is over and the eyes are, a fix to the game and, and, and people are interested in getting back out there and working on their own games and their own, you know, their own handicaps. It'll be beneficial to actually start doing stuff more often. And now that I've settled into my new job and everything else, we'll be updating things more frequently. Um, YouTube videos will be coming shortly. Um, my guess is around the U.S. Open, just, you know, because that's, again, things will start picking up again and again and again. So um, have a whole plan laid out. I apologize for the lack of posts, but, doesn't mean I haven't been working. Um, progress is being made.
0: Good um, deal. And and for the listeners, uh, the, we've had Matt on a number of times, as we said in the beginning. And you can go back and listen uh, on the golfunfiltered.com uh, podcast section. You can find updates uh, from the first time that we – Talked to, uh, spoke with Matt regarding the Hack Hero effort, um, and so you, you've outlined a lot there, and it's good to hear that you're still, you know, keeping on track with, with you know, the nutrition, with you know, the game plan, and obviously, you know, being a resident of the Chicagoland area, I can certainly sympathize with the weather. It's completely shitty here as well.
1: Oh, it's unbelievable.
0: Um, I did have the opportunity to play one round of golf, not too long ago. I I am going actually this weekend because uh, the temperature has cracked 45, which is good. good. Um, But, you know, uh, early on in this process now, we're we're getting a little bit more into the better, you know, uh, playing conditions. It's warming up. No matter where you live, you're going to have the opportunity to play more, as you outlined. How are how's the morale right now? Does it it sounds like you're still in in high spirits? It sounds like you've got the excitement heading into this. Do you is that true? Do you feel that this is still something you can accomplish for 2017? Because that's not too far down the road.
1: No. Uh, on one hand, I stop and I look and I go, we haven't even got to this year's U.S. Open, so let's I got I got time. And then I go out and I. Uh, yeah, I'm, granted I'm drinking, but I shoot 92 and I go, I don't have any time. This is, this is bad. Um, but I've, I've had, I've had some really good moments. I've had some really, you know, shitty moments, but, um, overall I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty confident. I, I know that I know my golfing past and I don't want it to sound cocky, but this is someone who managed to take themselves from a kid who couldn't break a hundred to someone who is now a three seven. So I know what I – I mean I, I, if I put the work in, I know I'm going to see results. You know, I, I – so it's a matter of having the work ethic and being able to budget the time and make that work. So I'm confident that if I can do that, I'll keep going because I've never really plateaued. I've always made at least some type of uh, progression with my game. I've never got to a point and gone – I've never been stuck on the same handicap for three years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like – I've ever – anytime I want to keep improving, I've kept improving. And to the point that I made about the shooting the 92, a lot of it was that I, I had never seen the course before and I was too cheap to buy a yardage book, so I hit in the hazards that I didn't know were there. Or And on the, the flip side of that is, again, starting to work out and be in a little better shape. I was hitting the ball a little farther than I'm used to. So when I'm playing courses with Island Greens and uh, I think – my pitching wedge goes 150 yards. I was sorry, 100, 140 yards, and I actually hit it 150 yards. We're in trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So I, I had a few of those moments. Um, like I said, the, the day that I did um, last last Sunday, we played uh, the international course in Myrtle Beach, and um, on the front nine, I I shot I shot 35, so I was one under on the front nine. I made everything I looked at and then we started drinking. And it was just awful from there on out. But it did give me a lot it gave me a real boost of confidence that I'm that I'm getting on the right track. And it's just a matter of, you know, getting my, my, my body in the right place and my mind in the right place so that I can put them all together and and, and make it work. Because that's really the problem. I mean, every amateur will tell you, you know, they have days where they, they drive the ball like a Greek god and that day, though, they, they're putting like they've got mittens on, you know? Yeah. But, you know, a week later when they step out there, they're going to make everything, but they're going to lose so many tee shots that it's, it's going to kill them. So it's a matter of being able to put myself in a good headspace, a matter of seeing, you know, the, the improvements with my with my physical fitness, um, being able to have more stamina because I'm eating the right foods instead of pounding a roll of sweethearts and drinking a Coke. Uh, so. It's just a matter of putting all these things together and seeing, you know, where they come out to. And unfortunately, right now it feels like I'm doing things all independent of each other and then I have to try to put them all together at the end. Hopefully once I start playing more, I'll see more results because right now it's just a lot of trusting that it's going to work in the future. Um, But like anything, when you make, I mean, look at Carl Peterson, you you make a body change and your swing changes. So I have to worry about that too, which is one of the reasons why I don't want to lose a ton of weight and I want to take it kind of at a, not a slow pace, but definitely a conservative pace for the first couple of months because I really want to see what that's going to do. You know, if I'm, if now I've got more rotation and I'm, I'm I'm releasing the club at a different point, like there's so many things that I'm, I have to be cognizant of. Otherwise I'm going to backslide and mentally that's tough to deal with. I mean, I came into this year. My one goal was do not shoot 90, which is kind of absurd. Just the fact that I drink when I play a lot of times and, you know, Anything can happen. I mean there are tour pros that shoot in the 80s, so 90 for me shouldn't be that big a stretch if you really have a bad day. So you know, I've had that disappointment. But again, I've already broken par on nine holes, and of course I've never seen before. So there's there's pluses and minuses, and it's just a matter of dealing with them all mentally and, and, and kind of flushing everything out and seeing where it all ends up. So um, June will be a really good test for me, see where I'm at then.
0: And, and we look forward to, to, to hearing the updates, to seeing the updates. You had mentioned you're going to have some YouTube video updates. And where can listeners, readers of the site, offer encouragement to you? Can they, What are some of the different ways that we can be in, uh, get in contact with uh, Mr. Matt?
1: You can message me at uh, on Twitter at HackToHero27. Um, you can email me at uh, HackToHero27 at, gmail, at gmail.com. Um, or you can, you know, comment on the blog. Uh, it's a hack to hero at blogspot.com. Um, or you, you can comment on, on golf uh, because I'll be posting there as well. So, um, there are plenty of ways to reach out. Um, I'm still looking for a little help with the, with the head doctor right now. I'm, I'm listening to Adam Carolla and, and trying to use his pep talks. <laughs> so, I can only
0: imagine no, how that's going.
1: <laughs> no, they're great. They're great. Oh, I it? mean, he's 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 from someone who's been a little bitch their entire life talking about me, not Adam corolla Uh, someone's been a bitch their entire life and, you know, complains about everything. It's kind of motivating to hear someone who says, you know, just put your head down and work, do the work. And sometimes I need to be reminded of that cuz I'm a spoiled rotten kid, so. Well,
0: um, we definitely look forward it's great to, to hear this from you. Yeah, and and we we are definitely uh, excited that you've gone on this journey. We we are super supportive of you and I know that many of the listeners who have reached out to us who have listened to the past shows are also supportive and we we certainly wish you the best of luck with this and we again like I've said a couple times we look forward to the to the updates from you. So listeners that again is Mr. Matt Castingway. He's already given you the Twitter information. Reach out to him, offer him any words of encouragement. Uh, or you know what? I mean, if you've got some, some real realistic pieces of advice for, for Mr. Castingway, I'm sure he'll, he'll listen to that as well, both good and bad. Uh, Matt, anything else that we can look forward to in terms of either the hacked hero or any, uh, therapy sessions that you have scheduled to deal with what we saw at the masters?
1: (laughs) Uh, no therapy uh, sessions are scheduled for that. No. Um, I'm just going to have to, uh, hope it wasn't my fault. Like I said, I kind of feel a bit like Willie Nelson now, but, uh, (laughs) no, uh, just no, thank you to everyone who's, who's had anything to say to me on Twitter. It's all been really positive. Thank you to obviously yourself, uh, for everything you've done for me, giving me a platform and an opportunity here. Um, I'm just looking forward to, to warmer weather whenever the hell that decides to show up and, uh, playing golf more than once every two weeks. That's, that's really it. So
0: yeah, we're in the same boat here with you, bud. So, uh, Until next week, listeners, we will have another guest, uh, perhaps even this week, so more to come on that. Until then, uh, this is the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, signing off.